Hi, we're the ladies of LifeSite, and we're so glad you're here. We're ladies simply navigating the challenges and triumphs of this modern culture as moms, wives, sisters, and daughters. Join us each week as we discuss the raw questions and situations that we face every day from our unique perspectives. So grab your cup of coffee, tea, or beverage of choice, and let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to this episode of the Ladies of LifeSite. Rebecca and I are here again with our moms, and we're super excited for this episode because it's kind of a continuation of last week. We talked a lot about homeschooling and the benefits and, you know, why you should get started. But this week, we're really going to dive into the technical nitty gritty, give some really practical resources and things like that so that, you know, if you are looking to get started, this can be a great resource and a great jumping off point for you. So we are super excited. Excited to have our moms, my mom Catherine uh, and Rebecca's mom Laura, on with us today. They're just amazing. They homeschooled both of us and our siblings, and so they are what I would call really homeschooling aficionados, experts, whatever you may want to call it, but you don't have to be an expert to get started homeschooling. We're just hoping that their years of experience and sometimes, you know, mistakes that they've made can help be a building point for all of you. So welcome, Mom. Thank you. And welcome, Laura. So just to to jump in, I know there was one really uh, important question that we didn't get to, and I think it'll kind of almost be like an icebreaker for some people. But can we, I want to ask about the HSLDA. So not many people necessarily know what that means or what that is. And Laura, I'm going to turn it over to you because I, I do believe that you've actually had some experience outside of just uh, kind of paying dues with the HSLDA, but actually uh, interacting with them on maybe a little bit deeper of a level than most people. So maybe you can kind of shed some insight onto what this uh, maybe daunting acronym means. HSLDA stands for Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And I'm just going to read a little blurb from their website because it just sums up exactly what they do. HSLDA passionately advocates for the freedom to homeschool and offers support for every stage of your homeschool journey. With over 100,000 families, Homeschool Legal Defense Association is the nation's largest, most trusted homeschool advocacy organization. We're here to advance and protect your freedom to homeschool. So they, I mean, if you if you just go on their main page and then scroll down, they have sections where they provide information on how to start homeschooling, on homeschooling high school, on state laws, on homeschooling kids with special needs, and just a bunch of other, you know, categories that you can look at and peruse. They also have attorneys in each state who are experts in that state's homeschool laws. They will advocate in court if necessary to defend a member's right to homeschool. And if you are a member and you wind up with a case, I mean, they'll defend you no matter what, but if you wind up having a case that they believe will further clarify homeschool laws or further the cause of homeschooling, they take your case for free if you're a member. And so they've argued in front of the Supreme Court for the right to homeschool. I mean, these guys know what they're doing, and they are just really experts in what they do, and they provide so many resources. When I have anybody say, I don't even know what the first thing to do is, I say, go to Homeschool Legal Defense Association's website. That is the first thing to do. And if you can at all afford it, I don't know what it costs anymore just because I'm not the one that pays the bills, but (laughs) I think it's like $120 a year and it is an investment well worth the money. Bill and I joined in 1991 when we first started 
homeschooling our kids. And we have been members ever since, even though Rebecca graduated years ago and we haven't had, we haven't actively been homeschooling in all that time, but we just really believe in the cause of homeschooling and support it financially. And you can actually join with your kids like in preschool. I think it's up to up to first grade. You can become a member with like young kids for free. So you get to experience all of the membership perks with young kids up until they're in first grade. And I think that's when they first, I think it's first grade. And that's when they ask that you start paying. And that's, that's because most, most states, their compulsory education laws kick in at about yes. six or seven. Yes. So that's why they chose, yeah. first chose to do that. They're a really great resource. I know Rebecca and I were actually talking to another mom on our staff who was talking, who homeschools all of her kids. And she was talking about how she had to register with her school district and actually obtain permission, quote unquote, in order to homeschool her kids. And so they're there are some more liberal states that make, can make it very difficult to homeschool. And so the HSLDA is a great resource for something like that. Not that it should scare you off, but just being prepared and having all those things kind of taken care of and all those boxes checked is really important to help you be, to be successful. Um, so mom, I do want to toss a question to you, but what's, what's a good way for moms to find good curriculum or, you know, get started building their lesson plans? It's an interesting question because it seems to be the one big question everybody always asks, even when you're in the middle of homeschooling. Laura, I don't know if you ever got this. What curriculum do you use? As though there was a one size fits all curriculum and I could just say, oh, I'm using Seton for everyone. And I thought, no, I could never answer that question easily because, you know, you have four children, you have two children, you have one, you have 10. You're going to find every one of your children is different. They have different strengths, different weaknesses. So back then, and Laura, I don't know if you had the problem, but in order to get curriculum, you actually had to contact the manufacturer of whatever you chose. I remember having to fill out paperwork that promised I wouldn't release the teacher's manual to any students anywhere or any, and that I wasn't because I wasn't a school district. Now the resources that are available are amazing and very easy to access. Really, a lot of these manufacturers or uh, I'm sorry, publishers will have on their website, they'll have pages. You can look at them. You can try them. Not everything works for every child. I had, you know, I think I told you some kids that were very strong in certain subjects and some that were strong in others. So while you try to reuse your books and while for some it really works for others, like really mom, I have to do all this. They're like, you know, and they're whizzed through it. You're like, Oh, you didn't learn anything. Did you? So as far as the curriculum goes, you really have to try to, I mean, you don't have to, but it's, it's great. The beauty of homeschooling, you don't have to stick to any one publisher. You don't have to stick to any one design. If you find something doesn't work, you go to something else. And even like I've since given away a lot of my books because I don't need them at the moment. And if my kids choose to homeschool, we can get others, but you pass them on. People are happy to pass on when their kids get past a certain age ask other moms whose kids, maybe your kids have friends and they get along and you think, oh, maybe their learning styles will be the same. There are just so many resources out there that should never, worrying about what curriculum to find should never stop you because, you know, that's, yes, it's important, but it is something that can change. You're not stuck with any one publisher or group of books or learning way to go. And 
again, it will depend on what your child, what, what works for them. You know, I, I do know if you can find that community. I know we have a little Catholic community here in a bunch of the moms homeschool, and they'll actually post and say, hey, does anybody have this book? Can I just flip through it for a couple of days, see if my kid likes it? So even if you don't have that community starting to build that, I think is really important. Laura, I would love to hear from you, you know, if you have any uh, recommendations on curriculum or kind of kind of insights on that. One of the best ways, in my opinion, to just be able to get hands on a bunch of curriculum is to go to a homeschool conference. There are homeschool conferences all over. And if you go on HSLDA's website, you can get in contact with your state organization and they have local organizations under them. Um, And if Homeschool Legal Defense is actually at one of these conferences, they'll list it on their website. And so if there's a one that's close, go to that conference because virtually all of these conferences have vendors. So they have the good and the beautiful. They have beautiful feet. They have a Becca. They have a Bob Jones. They have all of the curriculums that you can um, imagine there for sale. You can look at them. You can open the books and actually look at them all. And a lot of these conferences, even if you don't go to the conference, you can pay like a minimal fee to just get into the vendor area. And it is well worth whatever minimal fee you might have to pay to be able to just look and see what's available. And it's pretty stinking overwhelming because there's just a lot out there. But that's where your friends come in uh, to play, helping you narrow it down. But if you're a hands-on kind of person and you want to get your hands on those books, which is how I am. I'm, I'm going to these conferences. I'm looking at all of the vendor stuff. So that's just another way to help you choose. And the homeschool conferences aren't filled with a bunch of denim jumpers anymore. No. Homeschool moms aren't, aren't all like that anymore. We've advanced some. Just kidding. Now it's leggings. <laughs> like, yeah, leggings and fun shirts. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, those homeschool conferences can be great. I've never actually been to one, but I do know a lot of people who just swear by them. But if you are just wanting to get started, you have no idea what to do, there are a lot of different curriculum manufacturers out there. Seton is a very popular one. There are also online schools that can help you out. Just jumping in and, and maybe finding out, hey, oops, this one just doesn't work. You know, there's nothing wrong with that either. And and like Laura said, if you if you can find a homeschool conference and you know find the time to make it to something like that, that's a great way to flip through that book before you buy it. Or like my mom even mentioned, some of them, some of the publishers online will have kind of you know the first couple pages or maybe the first chapter that you can look at, which I think is really awesome. So that that's also a great resource. Don't be scared of having that perfect curriculum or, you know, making sure it's the perfect fit for your kids. Just try to remember that homeschooling is, is flexible and it's about teaching your kids to think critically, not just finding, you know, the perfect book and following it to a T and making sure they pass their test scores. But that is something, well, we're talking about test scores, to pay attention to because some states do have laws and requirements where you do have to take your kids in for those state testings. Not all of them do the HSLDA or there are local um, state specific homeschool um, groups here in Texas. It's the Texas Homeschool Coalition that can help you navigate a lot of those laws and requirements. Some states, uh, you know, when your kids are in high school or even middle school, they can 
your kids can play in the sports or they can do electives at the high the local high schools. So I, I do really encourage people to try to understand or find kind of a state specific or or local homeschooling reference that can help you really make the most of what what your location has to offer and also make sure that you're following all of those um, silly rules because if homeschooling really is important to you and you do have to take your kids in for testing, you don't want the school district coming knocking in on your door because you didn't you know, bring your kids in at the right time because you just didn't realize. It's not super important and I don't want to scare people, but that is just something you should uh, you should kind of pay attention to. And I know all of the different states are are have all kinds of requirements and rules and stuff. One of the questions that I get asked a lot is, how do I know where my child is? How do I know where to begin or what to even teach? And virtually, well, I don't know about all curriculums manufacturers, but most curriculum publishers have something that's called a scope and sequence chart. And that says, okay, this is what our curriculum is going to teach in kindergarten. By the end of kindergarten, they will have mastered these things. By the end of first grade, they will have mastered these things. And it's just, you can get that. I mean, it might be like 3 or $5 to get one from virtually any man, any uh, publisher. And it's just, a, it's just a guide. It's just something good to have on hand to know what to expect, what that curriculum will teach during any given year, and give you an, an idea of where your child should be according to these manufacturers, not that, you know, the beauty of homeschooling is they don't have to be there. But if you just want a a loose guideline, a scope and sequence chart is a really good uh, term to have in your mind to ask for. I will actually say we just did that with my almost four-year-old, the curriculum are starting for preschool. We cho- I chose the the good and the beautiful just to start out this year because they have really amazing like just workbooks where you can pull out and pull it out and go, which at this point I'm about to have our third and all of that. And so I was like, I need something that I don't have to lesson plan, but they, they had like an, their quote unquote assessment is what they call their scope and sequence. And he technically knows all of the things for their like level K primer, which is like pre-kindergarten instead of pre the preschool but I went ahead and we're going to start him with the preschool based off of just his some strengths and and weaknesses and if he's just flies through it then then great and then we'll we've got the the second book and he can start that in the middle of the school year so just something practical of of being able to purchase both of those books and being ready for whatever works best for him I did also want to touch on the testing in terms of of state testing and then also standardized tests. We did every year starting. We did every every couple of years always in grade school just because I wanted to have that on hand. Having my education background, I just, you know, I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know where where they were. So we did it every couple of years. And then in high school, we did it every year. Well, and I did it more frequently because I hated standardized tests and they would freak me out to no end. Like I would get really stressed. I'd wake up for the test days and be like nauseous and sweating and just like terrible, terrible things. And so my mom actually ended up encouraging me to do them 
I think every year for a couple of years leading into high school, just to prepare me mentally and, and like emotionally for taking <clears throat> the ACT when the time came post-graduation. And I'm really thankful for that. So there are there's benefits to, obviously, we live in a society now where who, who knows if you're even going to send your kid to college, but those kinds of experiences of taking standardized tests, being put in a situation that's a little bit different, obviously, with those those testing situations, we, there were upwards of 25, 30 kids sitting in a room taking a test, which to those that have been to school or any of that, that doesn't sound abnormal. But when you're homeschooled, you're not necessarily used to the sound of people shuffling around and getting up and coughing and taking breaks and, you know, moving around while you're trying to take a test. So even being put in that kind of environment, whether your state requires it or not, there's some great benefits to considering that just putting your kids in a, in a different environment like that can be really beneficial to their overall success later in life. And Reba, I'm like the exact opposite. So I took my ACTs and SATs and I mean, we all did obviously, and they were no problem, but I, it wasn't necessarily something that, you know, needed to happen. And I mean, those were the only standardized tests I took and aced them beautifully. But even if I hadn't, there are a lot of, I, I think that this highlights a really important difference in why people homeschool. And I know, mom, you've been talking to some of the moms at your church about why? Why are you homeschooling? What's your approach? Because there are so many differences, I think. And I think that that's really important for people to remember, even though we're providing practical tips, just because, you know, it worked for Rebecca and it, it was important, right? Send her, you know, that that's, you know, take some of these standardized tests. That's different. But your approach as a mom, your approach with your kids may be different. So mom, I'd love to hear, I know you've been talking to some moms about this, you know, some advice that you've given, you know, maybe some some of the sentiment that some of these women have about being maybe afraid to get started. You know, one of the big things that, like I said, after the question of what curriculum do you use? Okay, so how what does your day look like? And I must say, I believe I, I touched on it last time that in the state of California, while it is rather dictatorial in so many things, the one thing they have sort of kept their hands off, and thankfully for the HSLDA, they continue to keep their hands off, is homeschoolers. You are not required to take a standardized test at the end of the year. And really thank God for that, because I think Madeline's sister took the SAT and she goes, if you ever make me take another communist test like that again, I am not doing it. Because she said she was so appalled by some of the questions just in the in the, the literature part, in the writing part, the writing that she had to do. It's just, this is absolutely outrageous. And she scored very highly on the SAT, but she's like, this is just ridiculous that they, she said, I am reading test questions. She goes, I felt like I was being indoctrinated. So I, I would just... It, Again, while the state of California does not require it as a parent in the state of California, I don't know that I would voluntarily sign my child up for a standardized test for fear of what they are asking and for fear of what they are introducing to the children. The curriculum there has gone from bad to worse every time I think it can't get any worse, it does. So this is the question I get from parents. Well, should I sign them up for uh, one of those schools online so I don't have to worry about any of this? Or what should I do? And again, I defer to the fact that each of our children is different. Every curriculum is different. We have to be really careful signing up for those online schools that will do everything for you because I think you sort of lose the point 
of why you are homeschooling, right? You're homeschooling to help your children learn to think and to get by in the world and how to discern right from wrong, fact from fiction, truth from, you know, somebody's opinion. And that's becoming more and more difficult. And so you have to really you know, know your child, know your, it's very important to know the laws in the state. If you are in a state that requires you to, to take a standardized test, talk to the HSLDI. I I had some friends who were in a foreign country and the foreign country had some very egregious, what they told them when they were trying to homeschool. And I said, listen, call the HSLDA. They say they work internationally. And so they did, and they got some very good information as to how, what the, you know, there were loopholes and things like that within the laws in this particular country. And so they were able to use the information from the HSLDA to not have to put their kids through all of the tests that that particular country wanted them to, because there was information on the test that they would have had to learn that they just didn't want to present to their children at the young ages that they were. So, you know, don't be afraid to, don't feel like you have to go to one of these schools because there's so many other things to worry about. Just get started, even if you start with one book. You know, books are a beautiful resource. Libraries are a great resource if you're in a place where your library hasn't gone sideways yet. But we used to go to the library every week, pick up new books, curriculum. You know, if you just get a good phonics program that teaches your child how to read and everything else will kind of start to get into place. But don't be too hard. Don't feel like you have to have your every hour, every minute set just, you know, kind of be willing to homeschool your child, be at home and educating your child. Maybe we shouldn't even call it homeschooling, home education. You're educating them to what it means to become a person in the world, right? We're, we're raising adults. So, I mean, that would just be my advice to try to encourage moms not to be so overwhelmed by the what might be a lot of paperwork, a lot of decisions, a lot of choices. Make the first one, make another one. And again, don't be afraid to make, if you make the wrong ones, you know, and then you just go backward. But that's where friends and people can really come in handy. I'm certain that everybody out there nowadays will know at least one family that homeschools um, because there are more and more of them. And there isn't a homeschooling mom out there who is not willing to help another homeschooling mom. And I think that that's actually an awesome segue into our next big question is, how can your friends help? How can dads help? How can you kind of work to build this community around you that can help and encourage your kids? Because uh, mom's main job is to educate and help nurture our children, but that doesn't mean dad has to be completely excluded. However, if your husband's maybe not on board, you know, you also kind of need some support and help navigating something like that. So Laura, I'd love to turn it over to you and see if you have any thoughts or advice for getting dad involved or getting, you know, friends involved, helping kind of build that community. Cause I know you, you probably have some great insight into this. Before I let her answer, I just want to say that my uh, standardized test experience was a lot longer ago cause I'm old. So I don't think it was as communist as it is these days. <laughs> It was pretty innocuous back in the day. (laughs) But anyway, as far as if your husband's not on board, homeschool legal defense, again, is one of the best ways to educate your husband, or maybe your husband's on board and you're not so sure about it, about the benefits of homeschooling. There are so many uh, studies that have been done that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. The result of homeschooled kids 
they're better educated. They're better. They're more well-rounded. They're more active in society. Studies have proven this over and over and over again. So again, homeschool legal defense is, you know, there to peruse those studies and just give um, real facts, actually, that you can talk to grandma or the neighbor about about why you're homeschooling. But as far as how a dad can help and, and friends, my husband was not a very hands-on dad as far as homeschooling was concerned, but he was very good about coming home and take one look at my face and say, I think my wife needs a break. And he would say, hey, honey, would you go put gas in my car? Full well knowing that I would be gone for two hours. And he would feed the kids and get them to bed and do all of that. And we kind of developed later in their, when they were a little bit older, you know, mid to late elementary school, just a 8.30. I kind of went off duty at 8.30 and the kids quickly learned that if they needed something, they needed to go to my husband, that I needed that time to regroup and to have some time alone with no responsibilities for children so that I could be ready for the next day. And that kind of segues into on weekends, if your husband can take kids on errands and leave you home alone. It's one thing for you know me to go put gas in the car and sit in the car and be alone, but it's a totally another thing for your family to be gone and for you as the as the wife and the you know the person at home to be in your home alone. There's just a different dynamic there and it's more restful and peaceful for you to be in your home all by yourself in the total silence if that's what you like. One of the things that my friends did for me that was so valuable to me and to my children was they loved my kids. We we always had other adults that were feeding into my children and it's such a special feeling to know that, that some other person likes your kid. It's it's beneficial whether you homeschool or not actually. We had Rebecca had friends that were just a few years, like when she was in junior high, she had a senior in high school who was actually her brother's friend, but this young woman kind of took Rebecca under her wing and she'd take her shopping and she'd go and do things with her. And it was really valuable because she was then echoing the same things to Rebecca that I was saying. And that's really valuable because then Rebecca would say, hey, this high school girl this is really cool is saying the same thing my mom is. Wow. And so that it's just it's just really valuable. And my my kids each had someone in their lives that would step in and help in reinforce what we were teaching our children and just love on our kids. Mom, I'll let you go ahead and jump in, you know, getting dads involved, friends, community, things like that. Yeah, I think a lot of what Laura said is is great. It's very important to get um, dads involved. And even like you said, if your husband's not completely on board, I have a very quick story that will help. I think a lot of moms, my brother is a family law attorney. And when I first started homeschooling my kids, everyone in my family thought I was crazy. It didn't really matter. I didn't live that close to them. So I didn't have to deal with them on a regular basis. But fast forward 20 years, and he's in the middle of a case where his client homeschools and the husband wanted them to stop. He was part of the deal. And so my brother, he's diligent. I give him that. He's excellent at what he does. He uh, studied it. He really looked into it. And he goes, wow, he called me up. He was so impressed with, as Laura said, the evidence of what type of adults homeschooling children become. 
that, like I said, when I first started, not only did they think I was crazy, they were very happy to tell me what they thought. It was not a good time in my family, but he called me up and he said, listen, he goes, I was wrong. He goes, I am so sorry. And he said, it is unbelievable the amount of evidence that's out there that what type of adults these homeschooling kids have become. And he said, it's, un- it's incredible. He said, I don't know why anybody wouldn't homeschool at this point. So that's just a little encouragement to keep moms who might be on the fence or on the border. And as far as the husbands go, fortunately, my husband was never like, no, don't do this. But there was a part of him was like, are you sure? Are you sure? So in order to get him involved, he's a very handy person. He grew up on a farm. He, you know, had to fix tractors. He would run into things. He'd have to fix them. If your disc gets stuck or twisted when you're turning too quickly, whatever, he he was pretty good about undoing machines and, and things like that. So we had him, you know, help the kids outside, you know, if the lawnmower, let's, let's, this is a small engine. Let's take this apart and see how it works. We also did rockets. Rockets are a super fun thing that kids love and it's a great science experiment. So that was what dad got to do with the kids. We did, he would help them build the rockets. He would get the, you know, we had a little hobby store that wasn't, it was 45 minutes away and they would go get the parts and pieces. And so that was kind of a way to get him involved in something that was familiar to him. So he didn't feel so out of place, you know, he might have felt a little bit more out of place teaching English or whatever, but that kind of got him involved at that point. And, and even then, when the kids started calculus, it had been a long time for both of us. So he got back involved. Like, Do you remember this from calculus? <laughs> you know, so, it was, so it's, there's always a point where you can get dads involved. There's There's got to be something. Even I have a friend who's homeschooling now and her husband is a mechanic. And so he's kind of trying to bring the kids into the, you know, making little machines and things like that. And also like Laura touched on, friends are so important. There are so, you will find a group. Once you get started, the group might start small. For our area, because we were rural, it was difficult to find moms at first, but now I know dozens of families who I've known for 20 years. And so the the community comes, the community comes and the resources come. Don't feel like you have to have them all before you can start. Just step in and they will start to, you will find them. And I think that sometimes you can start, you can be the, the seed that starts your community. Like you said, mom, um, this dad who's a mechanic. Okay. Well, one Saturday every month or once a quarter, Hey, you know what? Come to my, you know, mechanic class or whatever it may be. Be that person who maybe nobody shows up the first time or maybe, you know, two or only two or three kids come. But if you, you keep inviting people and keep working to build that community, I think that that is really important. You don't necessarily have to join one that's there. Like my mom said, you'll find them and they may not have organized yet. Or maybe you just need to start collecting the people around you. So I think that that's just something to remember and and not be scared off by. Last year, my husband and I moved where we did in in rural Missouri to be a little bit closer to my brother and sister-in-law because we knew that we both wanted to homeschool our children and my sister-in-law and I have we've been friends since we were 5 or 6 and and have always dreamed of of homeschooling our kids together anyways and now that they're 
cousins. Of course, that's even more of an incentive to homeschool together. So when they moved further north, we moved further north to be closer to them. And there is actually a really excellent homeschooling community in the county that we live in. But this co-op that was available doesn't start until kids are in like first grade. And we have kids that are five and under. And so we were like, well, we don't want to wait. We don't want to wait for co-op to start. So we actually started our own co-op last year. And it it grew beyond just the two of us and our now eight eight kids that we have together. <laughs> and now we have, there's another family. Actually, she's my, she's my chiropractor. She has two kids and they homeschool. And her oldest is six. And they have a four-year-old little boy. And so they fit right in. So there's, there's 10, 10, 10 kids and it's, it's fun. And we get to do like unit studies and, and all of that. So I just want to encourage that if what you're hoping for doesn't exist, if what you're imagining doesn't exist, you can start it, whether it's with family or friends, or like Maddie said, just even putting something out there and saying, hey, I'm, I'm really knowledgeable at this, and I'd love to help teach, you know, other people or something like that. So there, there's a lot of opportunities and flexibility in, in creating that community for you. And I know I've touched on our co-op before. Just wanted to share that it is possible to, to build your own community if it's not available in quite the time frame or capacity that that it, you would like. I'm not a big fan of this and I'm I think the internet and Facebook and social media are, are actually destroying real relationships. But maybe you do live literally hundreds of miles from anyone else or maybe you live in a foreign country or something like that. You know, maybe find a pen pal for your kids or find maybe an, an online group. Obviously try to balance and, and limit these things. But if you absolutely you know, are in some sort of situation where you can't find that community and you're listening to us and you're saying, this doesn't apply to me at all. I just can't homeschool. There, there are other, you know, we could be creative about these things. If you, if you really want to homeschool your kids, if you're recognizing how terrible our public school system or even private school system is, just because we've been talking a lot about community doesn't mean you should give up if you're physically unable to create that community. Try to get creative, try to help your kids, you know, build their own community with, amongst themselves as well. Feel free to message us at, at our email, ladies at ladies or ladies at lifesightnews.com and ask like specific questions. So if you're stumped on something, let us know because between our moms and other other homeschooling moms that we have on staff, I'm sure somebody could have an answer. So please, please reach out to us as well. Well, I know that for most of the nation, uh, school has already started and your kids, you know, you might've felt like you didn't have any choice because you weren't ready to homeschool right now. I just want to encourage you to take this year or even this semester to investigate and do some more research. And, you know, if you have to put up with the public school for a semester before you can get them out to homeschool, then that's okay. Just, you know, deal and be ready to homeschool either next semester or next year. It's not too late. It's never too late to start homeschooling your kids. 
And that is a great reminder. And I think that it, it touches on what I really want to wrap up our episode with are the different reasons and philosophies behind homeschooling. So Laura, you're obviously you have this education background and you're, you know, very organized and, and I really appreciate that. And I think that that's awesome. Um, I know some of the moms in our community, you know, my mom's talking about being flexible with the schedule. I know some moms that thrive on giving their kids a super rigid schedule, a super, you know, specific curriculum. Coming from the background, I came from that not necessarily the approach that I would take or will take in the future, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily innately wrong. Okay, so we all are going to come at this with different reasons, different rationales. Our kids have different personalities. We have different personalities. You do have to try to find what fits and works for you because, you know, maybe that structure is going to be what breaks you and you just can't keep homeschooling your kids if they have to wake up at eight and be done, you know, and work until four, right? If that's going to be your stumbling block, Find a, a new solution. Find another way around that, right? If you feel like your kids aren't getting anything done at all and you just need a little bit more discipline or structure in your life, okay, well, let's start to look at, at you know, some ways that you could implement some of that structure while still being able to keep that idea of the of the home education involved. Um, so, you know, just because somebody does it one way or approaches it from a certain philosophy doesn't mean you necessarily need to do that either. And I, I actually, I think public schools are, one of the largest evils and a huge reason for why society is where it is doesn't mean that you as a public of a product of public school are a terrible person. I went to public school for a couple of years myself um, in the lovely communist state of California. So if my child set foot and spent 20 minutes in a public school, I think I'd die. And that would just be the most awful, horrific thing to me. So I'd actually give the opposite advice of what Laura gave because that's my that's me. That's who I am. That's the background I come with. If you put your kids in school and you go, oh, dang it, this is not working, pull them out. I know Mother Miriam uh, talks a lot about, about this on her podcast, and I can link to a couple of them as well. Sometimes, sometimes it's better to have your kids at home doing nothing while you're trying to figure out what's going on than to put them in that public school with whatever that sex ed may be. I think Missouri is a little bit more conservative, and some states are obviously much more conservative. Like Florida has banned conservative race theory and things like that in their curriculum. But you've got to do what's best for your kids and what works for you. Okay, so maybe that online hybrid kind of style homeschool is what you need. Maybe you, you do need to have your kids... You know, you need just a little bit more help and that's okay, right? Just because we're coming at it and, and giving advice X doesn't mean if you don't do it exactly the way we do it, that you can't do it. That's literally the whole point of homeschooling. You get to make it fit you and your kids and just try to keep in mind that these are your kids. This is our foundation. This is, this is their childhood and, and they're the new building blocks of society. You know, we're, we're obviously everybody knows this. We're super pro-life here at LifeSite, pro-life, pro-family, pro-freedom. If you put your kid in a school and they're requiring masks now and that's not something you're about, pull them out. You know, let's rebuild society the way it needs to be rebuilt with standing up for our freedoms, um, defending life, you know, really instilling in our kids these super, super important values. And I know I'm, I'm kind of monologuing here, but I know that I'm echoing everything that, you know, my mom, Rebecca and Laura would agree with. We've got to rebuild society and homeschooling is a really great way to do that, but it doesn't have to fit a perfect mold. You don't have to throw your lesson plans out. You don't have to be married to your lesson plans. You don't have to find a co-op, but you can find a co-op. You know, you don't have to offer electives or find somebody to come in and, and get one of the moms to teach science because maybe you're not great at it. 
but you can if you want to. So just try to remember homeschooling is not nebulous. It's not nefarious. It's not this really daunting task. It's actually a lot easier than you think. And there are so many resources online that you can find that it's a lot easier now than it ever has been before. So I would just encourage you, email us ladies at lifesitenews.com, find a group, wherever it may be, connect with people and just take that leap. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Um, if you really feel like this is what you need to be doing, or maybe you're like, this is not what I want to do, but it's just not, you know, school is not the right place for my kids. Take the leap and give it a try. So that's, that's kind of my final word of encouragement. I really appreciate you guys listening to this episode and sticking around with us. If you're considering homeschooling, we will keep you in our, in our prayers that you can, you know, work through this and, and, and discern kind of the right paths and things. And we will continue to have more episodes about homeschooling. I know in the future, we want to talk to one of the LifeSite moms who homeschools many of her children. I don't know the exact number because I don't know how many are school age right now. And and she she works at LifeSite. So we're definitely going to have her on. We've got a lot more resources that we really want to give you guys because this is something that we are really passionate about and something that we know a lot of people are are interested in, but maybe not exactly sure how to keep going or what to do. So email us, ladies at lifesightnews.com. And if you would be so kind, uh, subscribe to our email list. That way you won't miss out on any of our podcast um, episodes or any of the really great information that we've got going out. Uh, we will also have links in the description. So I know um, Laura mentioned some specific curriculum that you can look at to get started. The HSLDA link will be in the bottom. And then I've linked a couple of other homeschool curriculums that I know my mom used in the past that you could also take a look at, as well as a hybrid online school solution or option. Just again, these are all just places to get started and something to look into. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you next week.